Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, May the 10th, 2021, and we are reading from the big book in the chapter We Agnostics, page 55, the last paragraph in this book you will read. We're reading through four paragraphs, ending with the line in italics, who are you to say there is no God? Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Morazis, 12 Traditions, Dara L, and readers of the text, Leon B, Marge O, and Elizabeth D. The share ID for yesterday's Sunday special edition, that was May the 9th, 16914. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Maura Z to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, Lynn. 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One. We were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service, and I pass.
Thank you, Maura Z. And now Dara L. is going to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Dara. Great. Thank you so much. This is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Dara. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter We Agnostic on page 55. And we're reading the fifth paragraph. In this book, you will find through to the line in a palette. Who are you to say there is no God? Leon B., would you read for us, please? Yes, this is Leon B., gratefully recovered in Simpsonville, South Carolina. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. 
Alfred was a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration, business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide. These calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. One night, when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, If there's a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. But later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? Um, you know, the, the I don't know what it feels like to to not believe. So I, I don't have any experience on just completely saying that there is not a God. Because even um, as a child, I just had some under, some feeling that there was something out there greater than me. I mean, nothing could explain why. I could see some of the things that I was seeing, and, and I don't know. I felt like there had to be some sort of first mover. Um, but I will tell you, reading through this, this guy who cries out, you know, if there's a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. I mean, I, I didn't cry out and say that when the, the spiritual experience was brought to me when I entered the rooms and they said I needed to have a higher power. I really just had so much hope. I said, this is, I mean, I had so much hope that this weight was going to go away, that what I was doing, which I really didn't know at the time exactly about it being an allergy of the body, that all of that would somehow be resolved. I said, because I already have this God, and, and maybe this this program is going to, you know, help me to, you know, to further define it or to get me closer to it. I, I really didn't know. But I do know that I kept eating. And just like this man who cried out, I laid out on my couch so many nights. My mind just was instantly transported to my home in Columbia, in that living room, laying flat on my back because I was still in the food. I knew something about the steps. And I'm like, this program told me to have a God. I have one. I have you. Why are you not taking this away? And, I mean, I was reading the religious books. I was looking at the religious people on television. I was seeking everywhere, trying to find this God, trying to get this power. Um, I didn't even know I was seeking power, but I was trying to find some way to relieve this obsession, to, to relieve what I was doing to myself. And and it wasn't until years of 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 trying it my way that I finally fell on my knees, like this guy's response was to fall on his knee. I finally fell on my knees, and I finally through this program, understood that I I had no clue on what it meant to have faith. I, I had no clue on what it meant to, to live live faith out by doing works. And by doing these works was doing these steps. And, and doing these steps meant I had to take a hard look at some things that, that, that was going on in my life. And once I started the step process, once I finally yielded myself and got a sponsor and had a sponsor that would take me completely through these steps – I started to get closer to God, and it wasn't until around step four and step five 
when I realized that I was the maker of all of my trouble and when I confessed these things and gave confessing to God, to myself, and to another person, that I felt that closeness to God. And even today, when I confess things to my sponsor, I get closer and closer to God. But that one line just stood out for me. He certainly hasn't done anything for me. He's done a lot for me um, since I've been in program. But for me, I, I totally get that feeling, not as an atheist, but as someone that believes and, and couldn't find God. But I don't know if that made any sense or not, but I pass with that. You guys have a great morning. Thank you, Leon B. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Harlan G. Larry K. Judy K. Linda D. Nancy L. Okay, let me tell you who I heard so far. Harlan G, Larry K, Judy K, Linda D, Nancy L. Was there anyone else? Kim H. Perfect. Great lineup. Thank you, everybody. Let's start. Harlan G, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you very much for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are talking about Fitz Mayo. John Henry Fitzhugh Mayo will be the second sobriety in New York after Hank Parkhurst. And Fitz Mayo will be very instrumental in many things in the history of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you are looking for an edification on this story, it is on page 208, and the title of the story is Our Southern Friend, and that's the story of Fitz Mayo. Fitz was very angry at God. Fitz was very angry. So was I. I relate right down the line. And it says he was dogged by trouble and frustration, as was I. Business failure, ditto. Insanity, sort of fatal illness while my mother and father died right before I came in here. I didn't commit suicide, although I really wanted to. And these calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. And I had a lot of things about my life that bittered and depressed me. And I came into this program. I was not an atheist. I did believe in God, but I believed that God was out to screw me. I prayed for a thin body and got a fat one. I prayed for company from females and didn't get it. I prayed for many things and didn't get them, so I became angry. And the person that, came, that comes to see him, the alcoholic who had known a spiritual awakening that comes to Fitz, is none other than Bill Wilson, because Fitz was a patient at the Towns Hospital in New York City, and Dr. Silkworth introduced Bill Wilson to Fitz. And Bill Wilson will talk to Fitz about his spiritual experience 
and Fitz will tumble out of bed one night in the hospital and say, who are you to say there is no God? I didn't just have to say, who am I to say there is no God? I had to say to myself, who are you to hold a grudge against God? Maybe it's you, Harlan, that needs to change. Maybe it's you that needs to adjust your attitude. And when I adjusted my attitude and when I adjusted my behaviors, then my recovery started and a long, beautiful, wonderful, productive journey began. And this is the story of Fitz Mayo. Fitz wanted a very Christian book and the, 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 the other people in New York wanted a psychological book. Uh, and so a lot of this is compromised uh, and we have the book that we have. But this is a beautiful story. And again, it's, it's, it's expanded on, on page 208, Our Southern Friend. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Judy Kay. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. Larry Kay recovered uh, from Chicago. Um, yeah, I, I think the history is really important here. Um, and Leon, thanks for getting us started on here. Um, as Harlan said, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, Fitz Mayo. And he was, he was known as the, the, the Southern friend in the big book. And as Harlan said, he was among the first to get sober in New York. Um, it, it, and what's interesting is, in fact, when he died, he died in 1943, only eight years mm-hmm. after he stopped drinking. I mean, he couldn't, mm-hmm. he couldn't stop drinking like we couldn't stop eating. And he's, interestingly enough, he's buried on the grounds of a church, the very same church in Maryland where his father had been a pastor. So what we learned this morning is that Fitz, you know, he became rebellious as a child because he, he got this, what they said, this overdose of religious education, not unlike some people on this line or, or when they arrived to the rooms of, of Overeaters Anonymous. The last thing, you know, that you want to hear is about God, right? And same with Fitz. See, despite all this religious education that, that Fitz received, you may have received, mainly what he saw, though, the hypocrisy in his own family. He saw mental illness. He saw it included uh, suicide, business failures in his family, broken relationships, the whole deal. So the contrast of that with this notion of God was just too great of a barrier for him to leap. And so he becomes embittered and depressed. And meanwhile, alcoholism, you know, was tackling him from behind. It became more and more serious. And this led him, of course, to to get to uh, Towns Hospital where he met Bill. And it's interesting, how interesting that it was just a few months after Bill had the historic meeting with Dr. Bob and Akron. And, and I like the story of how Fitz much later went to the Library of Congress in DC to find out how many books were titled The Way Out. That was what they wanted to entitle the book, The Way Out. And he found that it was, there was about 25, 25 books that had that, uh, that name or similar name. And so here we don't study the big book of The Way Out. We study the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, through Fitz's efforts here. And, but yet, isn't it interesting? It is still a way out. How great for me and for you that this practical program of spiritual action is a way out. I'm grateful for that. Thanks, Len, for your service. I pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. 
Judy K, it's your turn, followed by Linda D. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. This is Judy K from Cary, North Carolina. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for your shares and, and um, your service. Um, what struck me today was the selfishness, the selfishness in the disease. Um, if I recall, he said, um, if there is a God, he hasn't done much for me. That, that selfishness that leads to um, the, the agnosticism and, and the anger, the anger, it's all part of the disease. The antidote for which, of course, is um, gratitude, um, recovery. Um, in recovery, we find the unselfishness because we have to work with others in order to be able to, to re- keep a, any recovery that we get. So it really just struck me today. I never didn't believe in God, but I know what it is to be angry at God uh, because, after all, he's not delivering what I'm telling him to deliver to me. Um, and today, today, I can be happy. I can be satisfied with what I have. I can be grateful for what I have and therefore satisfied for everything that, that's in my life. Uh, and in particular, I am so happy and grateful for this program and for this recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy Kay. Linda D., it's your turn, followed by Nancy L. Please go ahead, Linda. Hi. Good morning, everyone. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I um, I was the atheist when I came into this program. I was polite. I wasn't going to tell you that. That's called polite. It's also called uh, ignorant and closed-minded. Um, I have a lot in common with Fitz Mayo, Beside being Irish, um, these experiences happened to me as well. And it's many years later. Um, it was said that historically, uh, isn't it interesting that this is still the way out? This is spectacular. This program is spectacular. I know now through working the steps, through getting all the help through the big book, and through all of you, because I cannot do this alone, that God is real, really, really, really real, and really loving, and really there for me, and really within me. These are miraculous things. And so today, um, today I have seven years and five months uh, recovered, and my sponsor has 17 years recovered. And she has a sponsor, so I have a sponsor, a grand sponsor, and a great grand sponsor. This program works, but I have to jump in with all the courage that it takes to do this because it looks like blind faith. Yes, that's what it is. Terror was my motive for getting into this, terrified of where I was. This thing is real, and it's powerful, and it's beautiful beyond measure. 
And with that, I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Nancy L., it's your turn, followed by Kim H. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you so much. Uh, Lynn, thank you for being here. I just uh, want to say how much all the shares have meant to me this morning. I am Nancy L., recovering in LaGrange, Georgia. Um, I identify so much with this gentleman. About three years ago, uh, I became very ill, but I kept eating. I was very sick. I could hardly breathe. I was continuously coughing. Uh, I actually got to the point that my lung collapsed, and I was carried to the hospital in an ambulance. The doctor told me that I was suffering. I knew I was suffering from acid reflux, but the reflux was going down into my lungs. I spent five days in the hospital getting my lungs recovered so I could breathe unassisted without an oxygen. And I came back home knowing that my binge eating had caused that lung to collapse but I kept eating. And when I read this guy, he fell on his face. Well, I fell on my face. I believed in God. And when I came into this program, I thought, God, well, I believe in God. But I didn't believe in a God that could help me with this, this allergy in my body and this obsession of my mind. But when I came home and could breathe again and I continued to binge eat I fell on my face and I said God if you don't help me I'm going to kill myself with food and the God of my understanding helped me and today I can say I have not gone on a binge of eating in 15 months And today, with God's help, I won't go on a binge. And I thank you for all the support that I receive from your fellow sufferers and your fellow recoveries. And thank you for being here. And now I thank my God for my recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy L. Kim H., it's your turn. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, everybody. I'm calling from Singer Island, Florida. One of my uh, God Squad people told me about your meeting. This is only my second meeting. Um, The reading is impactful for me, and this meeting is really a godsend for me. I'm very grateful. I still struggle with being upset with God over things that have happened in my life. I just lost my only daughter in November. She was two and a half years sober. She died in her sleep. Um, So another thing has been added to my list of how could God allow this to happen to me things. Um, As I read this story, I realize that I need to change my thinking. 
Um, I've been binge eating since my daughter's death. I've not been able to be abstinent, but this is my second day of abstinence. Um, I got on this meeting for the first time a few days ago, and um, I plan on starting my days this way um, so that I can maintain my abstinence and, and get you know, emotionally sober from all this food stuff that I'm doing to myself. And so I uh, need a sponsor. I wanted to share that. And I also wanted to say how grateful I am for the meeting. And um, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Kim H. So for those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later, we are on page 55 the last paragraph in this book you will read. And we're reading through until the line in italic, who are you to say there is no God? So the line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. If you shared yesterday or the day before, that would be Friday or Thursday, Please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Lauren N. Irini M. Sandy B. Okay, so far I heard Lauren N. Irini M. Sandy B. Rebecca B. Sorry, I heard somebody M. Chris M. Chris, and then there was somebody else. Rebecca B. Great. Okay, so we have Lauren N. Irini M. Sandy B. Chris M. And Rebecca B. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, all. Good morning, visionaries. Um, thank you, Lynn, for hearing my voice. Lauren N., compulsive overeater, sugar addict in New York. Recovered, thank God, for today and have been um, on this journey for over five years. Thank God I'm here. So I did not, when I came into this room, I didn't believe in a higher power. I didn't believe there was a God. A God could not have taken a, a mother from a child at 14 and left her alone with abusive father. A God couldn't do that. That's what I thought. And I spent 40 years thinking that. Until I crawled into this room, having had two bariatric surgeries and gaining weight back after the second one, Multiple uh, Lauren, we've lost you. Please press star one. Sorry, the the little man started talking to me. Um, Spent years trying to lose weight and only to gain it right back did not understand the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And thank God I was down on my knees 
on my knees and heard this call and heard this book being studied every single day and helped me to find a higher power that would help me get recovered and stay recovered one day at a time for so many years. My life, all the promises have come true. All the promises have come true in a way that I could never have expected. I am thinner than I've ever been, and I hold on to that, but it's not about the scale. It's about all of the service I can do on this line so that I can stay here every single day. Thank you all for being here, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. Irini M., it's your turn, followed by Sandy B. Welcome, Irini. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. I continue to always be in awe. No matter how many years I've been in this program, it's just amazing. A change of heart... A change of heart is a decision to turn around and how I feel about things, you know. know, And that's what we do when we are in this program. We keep changing our hearts. I had a very hard heart when I came into this program. But as I started to become this program, my heart would soften. As God would squeeze my heart and mold it into what he would have me be, To ponder, to ponder is to seek for an answer by asking questions, to examine, to weigh and measure my thoughts, to really think before I react. So after all, God did give us a brain to use, and that is what I would do daily, diligently, not only to weigh and measure my food, but to weigh and measure my thoughts. What thoughts will I entertain and what thoughts I will not entertain? And I would use the acronym. My favorite acronym is A-S-K, ASK. Ask and it shall be given. S-A is in ask and shall be given. S is in seek and you shall find. And K is knock on doors and they shall open. A change of heart from having faith in the food, people, places, and things, and shifting into a faith in one that who, who has created me, and that would be God. And I realized I always had faith, but it was misplaced, and I had to change my heart with the help of God to seek the truth, and the truth will always set me free, to know that I'm always in the presence of God, to have this sense of knowing no matter what happens to me that I am always being taken care of. And that is my change of heart. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene M. Sandy B., it's your turn, followed by Chris M. Please go ahead, Sandy. Thank you. Thank you. This is Sandy B. in Virginia. Thanks to everyone who's doing service for this meeting 
I was on my way out for for my uh, walk, and then I would I'm going to say I was going to say something told me to come back, and that something was my higher power and God. And I reread this paragraph, and what struck me was the sentence he attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought was an overdose of religious education, and that word rebellious hit me because I have been rebellious against giving up, and I'll be specific, artificial sweeteners in any kind. It was in my mind that that's something other people had to do. The artificial sweeteners did not bother me, so therefore I could continue eating them. But every time I heard someone say they gave them up, um, it's like uh, fingernails on a chalkboard. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. But I now know that was because that's what I needed to give up. And I remember sitting down or wherever I was and saying to God, I surrender. I surrender. And what happened was, of course, I gave up the sweeteners. But I want to say, too, the sweeteners were also keeping me attached to uh, wanting some of my binge foods on the fourth day of the week. So I was, it was keeping me attached to foods that I should not eat. And I, I, I consider this a spiritual awakening, spiritual experience, because I still have the sweeteners here, but it's like they mean nothing to me. And this is my example of how God, is in my life and is helping me with my food and how he is showing me that what I want is not what I need. And he's taking away from me things that are in my way of having clean abstinence and also getting closer to him. I feel closer to my higher power. And I am so grateful to be able to to say that I have experienced God working in my food and in my life. And I am so grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sandy B. Chris M., it's your turn, followed by Rebecca B. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, This is Chris M. uh, from New York. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. um, I thought I was recovered a few months ago. Um, and, uh, you know, I was thinking, I, I really want to share about this, uh, paragraph. I need to share, I need to share as often as I can. Um, so I was writing this morning after reading this, uh, these paragraphs and, you know, I said, I thought I was on the broad highway. You know, I really thought I, I thought I had really, like, hit my bottom last year. I came in, you know, it wasn't about the physical part so much as the emotional and spiritual because um, I, I thought I was abstinent. Let's just say that, okay? And I thought that was okay. But spiritually and, physic- and, and emotionally, I was just really at a bad place. And I thought, okay, you know, I really do need these steps. Like, it isn't just a diet. Like, I need these steps. You know, worked the steps, thought I was recovered, I had neutrality, I thought, around food, 
and then started to slip and slide a bit and also relating to the uh, previous caller, did not want to give up my stevia. You know, no, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. But it was because I was, I was going to it. Um, and when I was working with a new sponsor and she helped me kind of look at my behaviors and even if it wasn't making me binge, it was something I was going to. So, you know, starting to uh, surrender some more and more and more. And now I'm at a point where I'm really, I'm still feeling very anxious. My absence is better. Um, it's more entire than it had been. I, I gave up a couple of last little bits of uh, food that I thought I had to give up. And maybe I might have to give up more down the road. And that's what I'm willing to do. Um, but um, the thing is that it's going to take what it takes. And I thought that I had reached my bottom last year. And, you know, like this guy, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really desperate to get that change of heart. Um, I really am. And I am on the broad highway. I, I'm traveling it. And I'm doing what I need to do. And God keeps re revealing to me that I need to go deeper and deeper. And, you know, for most of us, and, and I wanted to preclude myself from this because I wasn't as bad as everyone else, right? You know, I, I, and I'm only like 20 pounds overweight and I don't binge like that and I don't do this and I don't do that. And I, don't, I wanted to preclude myself from having to become, you know, really desperate and willing. Time, and guess please. what? Thank you. But guess what? I can't preclude myself from any of that and it takes what it takes and I have to feel what I have to feel and I'm just glad that I'm in this place where, uh, there is a solution for me. So thank you, I pass. Thank you, Chris M. Rebecca B., it's your turn. Good morning, Rebecca. Hi, this is Rebecca B. from Wisconsin. Um, when I heard Leon read this morning the last sentence of this reading, who are you to say there is no God? Um, the word that came to my mind was humility. And how this program constantly requires me to set aside what I think I know or how smart I think I might be um, and to open my mind that all things are possible uh, as long as I am letting God lead the way. And I thought um, of a similar statement that I heard at a retreat that I attended for Compulsive Overeaters a while back where <clears throat> we were all sharing about, you know, letting God into our lives. And one of our fellows um, had shared that she did believe in God but didn't believe that God would help her. Um and the leader of this program said something that I just had never gotten out of my head it was so powerful. And it was, what makes you think that you are so special that God would help millions and millions of addicts and would not help you? And that was a thunderbolt for me, like um, our you know, what do we call it, terminal uniqueness. 
wanting to think we're different um, or special or worse or better or whatever sets us off the broad highway and out by ourselves um, instead of hanging together and staying together and walking down the path of recovery together um, and believing together for each other and for ourselves. So um, just wanted to thank everyone for a beautiful meeting this morning. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rebecca B. Just a reminder to everybody, we are on page 55, the last paragraph in this book you will read. We're reading through until the line in italics, who are you to say there is no God? And we have room for about four more people. Who would like those spots, please? Chuck K. from Georgia. Sophia J. Sorry, I heard Chuck K. and Sophia J. There was someone else there? Pamela B. Is that Omar B? No, Pamela B. Pamela, thank you. Anyone else? All righty, let's go with our lineup. We have Chuck K, Sophia J, and Pamela B. Good morning, Chuck. Hey, good morning. This is Chuck from Georgia. I'm, I'm glad to be here. This has been a good meeting. And the thing I think about uh, often here lately is the day I decided to give up basically everything. I had dabbled in entire abstinence for several years. First, I stopped snacking. Then I gave up sugar. And then that third time, I gave up what I thought was everything, flour, uh, sugar substitutes, everything. And it was fear that drove me to it, fear and frustration of, of plateauing and going in and out of the food. And I remember there was a moment on that first day when I realized what my food was going to look like. And it was terrifying. I, it just absolutely terrified me. I remember thinking, I didn't know how I was going to eat. What is it going to look like? All I can have is grass and leaves. And this doesn't look like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I prayed about it. I was like, God, I can't do, you know, I can't do this. There is no way I can do this. I'm going to need help. And I must have said that prayer several times throughout the day for about two or three days. Now I look on it and laugh because my food plan is the same. And there's none of that fear. There's none of that worry. There's only the understanding that my food is wonderful because not only is it, it is good food and I enjoy it and I love to eat my food. It's brought me some of the best benefits I've ever had in my life in terms of physical recovery and then releasing all of that emotion I had connected with food, all of those thoughts, all of that running around in my mind. And although giving up the food was a wonderful thing, that God was going to take care of me. I asked God humbly, and God showed up for me. 
wrapped up in a way that I cannot describe. I just know that it happened. This is about program, and I love them. I love to have them, and I love to hear people describe those times in our lives where something wonderful has happened. Uh, we can't even describe it. It's hard to put into words, but we, there's so much emotion or there's, there's so much knowledge that something has happened, and it's wonderful. And those are just great experiences that we have in program. And uh, if, you, if you haven't had it or haven't had one in a while, just try something different. Do a little different action in your day and ask for it to come. And uh, there's, a, there's a kind of benevolence for you. So thank you for today. Great meeting, and I hope everybody has a good day. Thank you, Chuck K. Sophia J., it's your turn, followed by Pamela B. Welcome, Sophia. Hi, thank you, Leader. Um, I'm Sophia, Recovered Compulsive Leader for the day. Thank you, everybody, for sharing and showing up and saving my life uh, today. And, um, you know, talking about the God of my understanding, um, I just love the big book. But, you know, in the big book, it's meant to be, it's not a novel for me today. It's a textbook to be studied. So, but... um, you know, thinking about the God of my understanding, the God that I grew up with was a, you know, was a, a very uh, mean God, you know, that was going to get me, you know, all the time when I did something wrong, you know, and, and, and I'm, you know, and that's how I grew up. And the church I grew up in was, you know, you're going to hell, you know, whatever you did, you know, you know they immediately repent and all this. I was always in fear of this God, you know. You know, that he was, you know, whenever I messed up that, you know, I had to suffer. And so it wasn't until 2018 that I got a God of my understanding today, you know. And the higher power that I have today is not that higher power that I grew up with. The higher power I have today is loving, kind, and gentle, and has a sense of humor. And it's, you know, and I just choose today to believe in that. God of my understanding today. You know, I rather believed in in this God than to get on the other side and find out that you know it was all in vain. You know that that. Uh, so, but but I'm just grateful to have um, this new higher power, one that I and 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 most importantly is that I'm not today. I know for a hundred percent. Hundred percent for sure. I'm not God. You know, I'm not. I have no powers. I did that for many years too, thinking I was, I was God, and I could change people. And if they would just listen to me, you know, and do everything I said, then I, I wouldn't overeat. If my kids would do this, and my son was an autistic, you know, I, would, I wouldn't have this problem with food because I had this God-like mentality. Well, I'm not God today. You know, and I and I direct everybody that comes to me with any problems. I direct them to their God of their understanding. You know, because uh, that's that's major for me, and I'm so grateful to be at this point in my life to realize I'm not running the show, and all I have to do today really is trust. That's it. 
turn it over. I mean, you know, I had this program. This is my medication for this fatal and and deadly <laughs> disease. You know, this is my medication for it. All I had to do is show up, do this program, and turn it over and not try to do God's job. And I feel safe and protected with that. So thank you all for letting me share. And I'm Sophia from Indiana. Thank you, Sophia J. And Pamela B. Sorry, Pamela B. It's your turn. Please go ahead, Pamela. Pamela, press star one to unmute. Maxine F. in Texas. Okay, if you want to go ahead then, Nancy, I guess we've lost Pamela. Please go ahead. I want to thank you all for being here. I feel very much with God. He's in my life. My food is not my big problem, I see. I'm my big problem. I can't I can't control other people, only myself. I don't even try to control other people. I'm still soft-hearted, but I'm no longer soft-headed. And I I embrace the program and to the best of my ability I'm being abstinent. And I find I can include things that make me feel I'm not depriving myself. Deprivation has been part of my life for too long. Love is where it's at. Thank you all for being here. And thank you, Maxine F. And thank you to everybody who participated in the meeting today and for Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, May the 10th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 16917. We will now close our meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Marjo, would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you very much, and thanks for this opportunity to serve. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who still is sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.